Hi, I'm Dubba. I'm the director of Music Tech Fest, and this is Scrimshire. What you're hearing is an exclusive version of a song called Convergent, a version that's not available on vinyl, CD, streaming, or download. It's only on a T-shirt, or rather, a new physical digital hybrid format called TJ. Have a listen. It's no surprise that you destroyed it all. Came down in to raise it to the floor. Your arms and brought it to a close. No more said the end of this. Every word slips away. Convergent by London recording artist, composer and label manager Scrimshire. Also happens to be one of my all-time favourite songs. We were lucky enough to have Adam Scrimshire join us at MTF Stockholm. Music Tech Fest's founder and the inventor of the TJ format, Michaela Magus, sat down on stage with him to chat about music. Scrimshire's music in particular, of course, but also what it means to make and release music today. And the kind of innovation that we need in order to address things like sustainability of independent music in the digital age. Here's Michaela Magus at MTF Stockholm with Adam Scrimshire. Enjoy. I have to rewind a couple of years, two, three years even, Adam, wasn't it? It was such a, an incredible sport. First of all, we were huge fans of his music. I'm going to embarrass you now, aren't I? Because we were like, I should, I should, we just, so he's, he's, now, he's now a colleague, a friend, but we were such huge fans of his music. And there was this moment when I said to Dubber, we've got to do a T-shirt as a track. This is just this has just got to happen. We've got uh, the the kind of tech that would make this happen, and we need to choose the first artist who could carry this off. Um, and this concept, uh, we will tell you a little bit more about. Uh, we've got it here with us. But um, Dabra said, "I know exactly. I know who will who will go for it," and it was Adam Scrimshire. So, um, warm applause for Adam Scrimshire, and we'll tell you more about it. Thank you. So, <clears throat> we leapt into the sort of future of music publishing here immediately, but when I look at your bio, and I'm just going to read it, um, it says, Adam Scrimshire started making music on an Amiga 500 with a Yamaha tone generator and an 8-bit sampler at the age of 14. Yes. How did this, how could, how could this even happen? Um, I guess it's quite late in, in some ways, but... Um there was a lot of music in the house, but no musicians. 
um, in the family at all. So uh, I never got really introduced uh, to that to that side of things. But there were records playing all the time, and my memory of it essentially is one night my mum was playing some some old early George Benson, I think, and. I remember sitting up, I remember kneeling up, I was, it was been, I'd have been about 12, 12 or something, 12 and a half, and I remember sitting up and pretending to play it along on my pillow, <laughs> playing piano on my pillow, and I got up the following day and said, I really want to learn to play piano, I want to, I want to, I want to play keys, I've never played an instrument, I really want to do it, and I got really into it, and, um, but I didn't really get on with lessons very well, um, I really struggled with that, uh, the guy who was teaching me, um, insisted I was too old to really do it anyway, um, which was kind of mad and frustrating. And, um, but yeah, my dad was really into uh, networking. He did a lot of uh, very, very early uh, computer training um, at the back end of the 70s, and um, that, that's where we had moved up to Cambridge, and that was part of that. So he's mad into networking and, and software development. And he rather than buying me, I wanted, I wanted like a Yamaha keyboard with like all the buttons and, and crap on it. And uh, instead he wanted to buy me a little synthesizer and a MIDI interface and cables and make me put a computer together and do it instead. So that was, that was how I came at it in that way. Uh, my, my dad just, um, yeah, decided to go the complicated way rather than just get me a cheap keyboard. That's a great dad because uh, we have... Uh all through tomorrow and the next day, families at this festival and fathers who are bringing their children. And of course, when they get presented with some of this music tech that happens here, it's like Lego bricks to them, or it's just totally kind of, they just, just, just basically, I mean, they're, they're fearless with yeah. all this new stuff. Yeah, totally. Um, so you started, but you started writing music immediately. Or yes. Yeah. So he got me a, a thing called Octomed off the cover of a computer, Amiga magazine. And um, because I wasn't really getting on with lessons, I just wanted to actually just, um, and I could, I could play a little bit, I could recognize melodies and stuff, uh, but I just wanted to program stuff. So I got immediately into using tracker programs and programming stuff and spent, I guess, about a year and a half or whatever, just every night coming home from school and just programming beats over and over and over again. Terrible, terrible, horrible stuff. Um, and... And yeah, just gradually learning this process because again, there was the, uh, there was just no connection to that. I sort of, uh, I didn't have many friends that were writing music, and uh, yeah, it was kind of a, a solo journey really. Um, but yeah, it was it was just something that I did. I I became quite obsessed with, and just spent hours and hours doing that. And then would buy CDs or whatever stuff and learn how to um, transcribe them essentially and program copies of those, of those things to, which kind of helped me learn some of the principles I guess of, of composition. Amazing. Um, you say um, that you had some trouble with lessons. Did you have trouble in school in general the way it was set up? Um, no, it wasn't so much. It was the, more the private teaching. I had a classic, a classical piano teacher, and he was just—he just—he was of the opinion that there was there was no hope for me at fourteen to, to learn to play piano. <laughs> so, um, so, and after six months of persisting with that situation, I kind of agreed with him. Really, um, I love playing the piano, but I absolutely just sort of detested those lessons and having to go and do that. Um, but school was actually great. I was really, really lucky. I went to an amazing school. Um, 
outside Cambridge that did a lot of performing arts. So I also studied dance and ballet and, and contemporary, um, and so did a lot of composition involved with dance and for the dance department and that kind of stuff. So no, I was actually really, really lucky and got into the kind of situation where they're like, well, we want to get into buying some more technology for the music department. And I would get involved with helping them get stuff in and set that up and I would be given the keys, keys to the room and stuff. So that's kind of, I used to go back when the cleaners were cleaning and just go into school and, and like play drums and, and learn all the bits. But do you think that when you started playing with some of these technologies, it was actually opening up new kind of literacies for, for you? I mean, you were training on new kinds of ways of expression, I, suspe I suspect. Yes, and, and, and it, it, it led in both directions. So I wanted to learn more instruments because I wanted to understand what, um, what, is, what it is that defines how an instrument sounds. How a, how a drum works in a particular way or how a guitar sounds because I was just programming using MIDI um, and very, very poor quality, like old, you know, just a cheap little uh, MIDI instrument. Um, so I was learning how, I wanted to learn other instruments in order to understand how, um, how when you strum a guitar, not every note sounds the same or not every note is the same velocity or whatever and things like that. So, so yeah, I, it, it, it really, I became, I would say pretty much 100 times more curious than I ever was before I had that MIDI interface. I became completely lost in asking questions about, about how things work and how that moves um, and how to put those together. Actually, um, in a way, it's a shame that our, all our hackers and uh, trackathon participants are actually having a meet-up upstairs because, oh, nice. I mean, they're totally in your mindset. <laughs> Every single one has got, has got that kind of um, uh, zest for it. But um, what's, uh, what's interesting is then, um, of course, as I say, you're one of my favourite composers. Um, I can say that. <laughs> I really can. But um, but you're a multi-instrumentalist, and we can see how you got there. It was through both influence and uh, availability, because and this is what is a great lesson for any school, yes. um, making things available, um, accessible to 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 students, um, but also through curiosity, as you say. Yeah. But then you actually took a leap into record label and yep. label management I mean how does I mean that's kind of quite a different thing isn't it 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 is um, but as Ali was saying earlier you know there's 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 a lot of challenges at an independent level for making money and and, and, and there's a lot of people that are branching into multiple areas in order to be able to find some way of, of having a kind of some way of making money come in and and that is coming from lots of different areas so there's a i mean being multidisciplinary i used to think it was something special and i don't think it's that special anymore i think everyone's so multi multidisciplinary these days especially in the independent industry um everyone has has uh, a lot of different strings to their bow um running labels was was a part it was something I kind of wanted to do. When I was 14, when I first started getting into the music, I had a, a kind of grand dream that I would do music, that I'd run a record label and I'd have a recording studio, that we would do community-based projects and, and, and bring people in and do interesting, I don't know, creative things where we would then be able to release them very quickly and, and, and do that, which is, I'm quite close, I'm getting there. <laughs> but um, So somewhere along the line, it was an idea and then, Further down the line, I thought, that's crazy. It would be stupid to run a record label. It looks horrific. And it kind of is, but, it's, but it became an inevitability. Um, it was partly to help myself. And then once I started doing it, I realized that there was this huge responsibility to help artists. Um, and I became quite infected with that idea that I wanted to 
bring more transparency to the business that we do um, and to uh, more honesty uh, and um, and yeah just kind of well this is sort of flowing into something now where I'm, I'm really looking at how we can turn a, a record label into uh, work, working more in a cooperative level and actually having the artists as investors best as and do that and I know there are precedents for that but I'm trying to um, get to a point where we can create something that's um, a benchmark for doing that that we can sort of spread around because there's so many people starting labels now that it's it they are springing up every week i'm getting promos from people saying we're starting a new label now we're doing a new thing so there's a lot of that going on they're working with artists and yet there's still a, a fairly surprising uh, actually quite flabbergasting lack of understanding about the legalities that work within that and just the technicalities of doing it um so getting into the label side of things uh, very quickly became about trying to one by one at least solve that problem and now I need to kind of amplify how quickly we can solve that problem. Well um, you probably know and some of you may know that we have been running um, Mycelia blockchain labs uh, run yes, by Imogen yeah. Heap this yeah. week and people have been actually literally prototyping new kinds of um, applications for it. I know there are huge, huge challenges and when you actually get your hands dirty, I mean, it's all right to talk about it. Yeah. Even when people talk about it, yeah. there's this kind of kind of real big misconception by some as to who should benefit, who's the first person who benefits sure. or should everybody benefit. And last night um, uh, she did an uh, intimate gig for, for, for our labs participants and VIPs. Yes. And she gave everybody a uh, QR code, right. uh, which allowed the, everybody to be an investor in her next track. Oh, no way. Yeah. And so basically, if this track does well, it's so basically like having uh, shares in a track, of yeah, yeah. kind of co-investing. Yeah. So um, I hope that you guys can, can join, join up here, uh, because yes. I know that you have been in that sort of same mindset of looking at how, how we do this. But I suppose because you have been thinking so hard about how do you run a label, how do you make more, um, a more democratic situation where artists get to benefit, um, I guess that led to TJ, right? When we called you about this T-shirt as a track thing and you just jumped immediately and just went, yeah. Yes. I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not like the most natural sort of thing that you would expect people to say. No, but um, you, A, you're both people I trust, even, even and I mean, especially Dubber, who's, who's um, you know, I mean, obviously I, I got to know you through him and, and, and he, um, his writing, uh, was very influential to me and you know when Bandcamp was starting and the, again what, going back to what Ali and, and, and Double were talking about earlier um, I was very much watching that as that was happening as well and reading his work and, and understanding about the free flowing of music and, and what we can and can't control and how we should feel about that and, 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 and numerous other nuances within that. Um, so yeah, so when he when when you guys approached me, it was like, well, yeah, you know, this I, I believe in that. As I say, he's such a great sport. So maybe we should tell you what this this does. Um, did you want to explain it, maybe? Yeah. Like okay. So um, the t-shirt. I guess that it's, it's purest form. There is a t-shirt with uh, an image on the front, and the image performs, I suppose, in a way like a QR code, in, in terms of that it's. It can enable. It's like an album cover. I yeah, think, exactly. So yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of extra beauty about the the whole package, but uh, but functionality-wise, 
that image can be uh, can be scanned by phone and then released to you a track that is unique to this T-shirt. Um, this one, yeah, I recorded a, a, a special version of this song. Um, but then it's packaged up in this beautiful way, like a, like vinyl as it well. Has, it even has liner notes on yep. the inside, so you That's can read as well. So there's a story attached to it, so you can go, like in the old um, album. And the cover can also be scanned. It has a whole story, like the old school vinyl. And so the T-shirt comes in this. This goes into your vinyl collection. Um, the T-shirt can be worn, and if it's in the wash, you can still scan this one, and you can still hear your track. But the beauty of it is that, and you said, how do we share? Yeah. Um, your mates can scan you in a pub or in a bar, and wherever it is you're meeting them, and they can hear this exclusive track. And they can download the TJ app. And all of a sudden, you can start being an influencer because they can, if they love the track, they can go and buy one themselves. But the, there's quite a few other things that then, then come into it, right? Because what, what then happens is that we all love the fact that Bandcamp connects the fan and the artist. Yes. And this does, of course, not only connect the fan who has downloaded the, the app and has bought the T-shirt, the but it will also connect all of their mates who have liked it and you start to detect how it's spreading, how the kind of taste yes. spreads through all the people who get engaged with it, which is really quite extraordinary. And yeah. then there's the money bit. Right, yeah. Which is pretty good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we were talking about sort of being democratic. So, um, in fact, I, I don't even know, Adam, if we gave you the full figures of how this works, but uh, it's somewhere between 40... Actually, maybe Jana knows even better. She's just been looking at the figures just recently. Between 40 and 50% that goes to the artist, yep. it's like ridiculously high. So try and imagine this scenario. You have, um, you have a, a product, a fashion product, that gets sold in a store, a high street store, down in central Stockholm. Um, the store will put a 50% markup on the product and you're used to paying X amount for a T-shirt or a garment. Well, seeing that this is basically done through crowdfunding, so you just uh, order one in advance and it gets shipped to you within two weeks, and that 50% goes direct to the artist. Now, the amount is pretty considerable. It is, it is definitely. And it's, it, I mean, it's just, I, I, I've been thinking recently about how more important something like this is in terms of, I see a lot at the moment of, um, a lot of reaction, a lot of distaste for social media within young musicians and artists that are hanging out and are a part of very, very active local communities of musicians and, and, and groups. And they're looking for ways that they are networking that aren't within those traditional social networking forms because they just find it aggressive, unpleasant, unsocial, um, compared to going to a jazz session in Deptford, in South London, and getting really sweaty all night and, and sharing that sort of thing. And this is something that is physically more within a community kind of space, which is what's really exciting about that. And then put on top of that the financial aspects. And yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, um, it's something that's interesting. And of course, both are incredibly important. Both the sort of sense of humanity, connectedness with our fans, yeah, and, yeah. and also the fact that... Um, um, and the fact that uh, you do actually, you can actually live off something like this. Yeah. And I think there's a, there's been a, a lot of people who have really loved this. Um, and just earlier we had a 
chat with Stefan Planck, yeah. who works with Nina Hagen and uh, with some other like people like Annie Lennox and stuff. So watch this space. <laughs> We're going forward with this format. We are on the mission, aren't we, Adam? Absolutely, always. <laughs> and uh, also, oh, you would you are really curious. <laughs> yeah, let me let me let me give you the, the mic so people can actually hear you. One second. Hello, I'm, I'm Francesca. It's, it's actually just a practical question of who finances the production of the actual product. You know how crowdfunding works? Yeah. Right. So basically, the artist announces the new release. Um, the fan base uh, buys, orders a T-shirt in advance. And uh, the money is given to the production and basically the profit after the product, after the T-shirt is delivered, goes to the artist. As simple as that. No stock sitting in warehouses, and uh, no waste whatsoever. It's actually and no outlay up front. It's pretty good. So, um, so basically, um, as I say, watch this space. Adam will be with us tomorrow again. Actually, we've given you a slot to right, do okay. whatever you like. Wonderful. And he's a wonderful artist and you should hear his music. If you're interested in TJs that are available in all kinds of sizes at that desk upstairs, which is still rather chaotic because all sorts of developers have been picking up t-shirts and all kinds. But it is there. Um, feel free to get one. Um, you can see one of the people who will benefit directly from it. So we support our artists and we encourage you to invest in them. And thank you so much, Adam Scrimshaw. It's been a great Thank pleasure. you for having me. Adam Scrimshaw. That's Adam Scrimshaw with Michaela Magus. And that's the MTF podcast. The good news is that Adam's finishing work on his new album. I can tell you that it's sounding amazing and it'll be out a little later this year. If you're interested in finding out more about TJ, check the link in the show notes or drop me an email, dubber at musictechfest.net and I'll point you in all the right directions. That's it for this week. Don't forget to share, like, subscribe, rate, review or just say nice things about us in telephone conversations if you still have those. Talk soon and have a great week. Cheers. Mm-hmm.